from deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, a program recorded just moments before it was uh, re-recorded, and then uh, you've heard it uh, somewhat later. No, it's just, you know, on the same weekend, same basic time frame, but just not, not really live, you know. Anyway, first of all, what the frack? We've got the ultra-modern knack Of getting oil from the deepest crack So give the boys just a bit of slack And say a hearty what the frack Hey, how about those uh, that, that big earthquake in Oklahoma this weekend? A biggie! Those, that never happens. Oh, yes, it does. But... Meanwhile, somewhat north, North Dakota, making headlines for some radioactive nuclear elements found in an oil field dump site. Elements that occur in the waste from oil and gas wells. North Dakota has had a problem with the inappropriate disposal of this radioactive waste for years, reports oilprice.com. This time the State Department, Health Department of North Dakota is probing an oil field waste landfill operated by IHD Solids Management after the detection of a significant amount of illegal radioactive matter. These are from fracking wells. The radioactive material was detected twice in two separate inspections that took place in May and June. Now the uh, health department has ordered a third-party investigation of the landfill and instructed the operator to remove, you know, just 950 tons of waste and take it out of the state. Maybe to South Dakota. That is serve them right. After radioactivity checks of all 12 oil field waste landfills in the state revealed levels of between 5 and 80 picocuries. The latter is 30 picocuries above the new higher maximum allowed for oil field waste. The old one was 5 picocuries. Uh, IHD Solids Management, according to the health department was unaware of the radioactivity levels of the waste it manages. So when you name yourself a management company and you don't know the radioactivity of the waste you're managing, that's some good managing you're doing. Quote, we caught them in two inspections with different materials. They're supposed to know what they're getting, and I'm surprised about this, said uh, the assistant director of the health department, adding, somebody slipped it to them. I don't think they took this knowingly. Bill Cosby is in the... uh, oil field waste business now. The spokesman for the health department said the company won't be fined for the transgression because it dealt with the problem by removing the suspicious waste as to two other landfill operators in North Dakota. They, too, had to remove over-radioactive material from their landfills and ship it to special nuclear waste facilities, probably in your neighborhood. North Dakota will soon start requiring oil field waste landfill operators to verify the radioactivity level of every load that arrives rather than taking the word of the company generating the waste. Never too late, Department. The waste from oil and gas wells brought to the surface through fracking include your uranium, your thorium, your radium, a radioactive isotope of potassium, as well as isotopes of lead and polonium. So next time you want to kill a, uh, a fugitive Russian former intelligence agent with polonium, just send him to North Dakota. That's good advice from Hello, Welcome to the Show. 
From the home of the homeless in Southern California, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of Le Show. And it's it's a holiday weekend here in the United States. We celebrate this Labor Day weekend by big parades discouraging Walmart employees from joining unions. It's now quite a hallowed tradition. But the story of organized labor in this country is a long and controversial one. And uh, they're still trying to put together all the pieces of the labor management fights of the 1930s as well as of Jimmy Hoffa. So today I thought I'd we'd just take a few... Really? Come... Okay, we're going to, you know, just stop paying the phone bill for that particular... That didn't work either. Okay, all right. Well, once again, ladies and gentlemen, a caller on our newsmaker line, I think I have an idea at this point about who's able to get through our complex call security apparatus. Uh, Donald Trump, welcome back to uh, the Le Show Newsmaker line. It's, it's not easy. You know, I had my son-in-law speed dialing for half an hour before we got through. That's uh, that's Jared, your your Orthodox Jewish son-in-law? Yeah, that, that, that's correct. You mm. know, he was so proud of me yesterday when that wonderful American African uh, clergyman put that Jewish prayer shawl around my shoulders. Oh, I can imagine. What did, what did he say to you when you, when you saw that? Yeah, he said, Mr. Trump, where were the tixes? You know, every once in a while he starts talking his code. It's funny. Ivanka and I love it. Wait, wait, wait. He, he didn't think it was a genuine prayer show? The preacher said he got it from Israel. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much more genuine can you get? That's Israel where the whole God thing got started. Right. As a matter of fact, that's where we source all of our Trump-branded prayer shows, which so many people have told me are the best they've ever used or worn or prayed with. So how could it be anything? Wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. You have Trump-branded Jewish prayer shows now? Yeah. It was Jared's idea. Mm. You know, he's a brilliant kid, one of the smartest. I didn't say this because he married my daughter. It just happens to be true. Yeah. And he said it solved two problems at once, reaching out to the Jewish community with some of my greatest friends. You know, you wouldn't believe the Jews I know. Okay, and what was what was the other problem it solved? Fundraising. Oh. I mean, we sell them at a very premium price point, believe me. Mm. You know, despite what you may have heard, so many of the Jewish people really enjoy paying a lot of money for something as long as it's highest quality. Well, Which, as you uh, may or may not know, I don't like to take sides in all this, but I have to admit, uh, sir, that uh, watching you at the uh, African American Church, I, di- I didn't see the tzitzis either. He says the, the, the little strings at the bottom. Of the shawls. That's what he tells me. Mm-hmm. Like, I know from Jewish, you know, I'm a very good Christian, one of the best, but I wouldn't recognize Jesus Christ if I bumped into him at the elevator at the Carlisle. <laughs> but anyway, I called in. Mm-hmm. Your show is still a loser, but I, I like it because your call screener sounds like he was born in this country. She was. He, gee, I love the diversity. Anyway, I know you've always been nice to me. Well, you probably don't listen every week. I don't know anyone who does. Many people say it's not on the air anymore since the thing. But, you know, I visited this black church in Detroit, 
uh, yesterday. Yes, sir, where you got the prayer shawl. I, I know. I thought I meant I, I, I was told I was going to get an African-American gift. <laughs> I was ready for one of those dash ski robes. So this was a wonderful surprise. But can I tell you what hasn't been wonderful is watching the coverage, mm. reading the coverage by the pathetic failing media. They act like this was the first time I'd been in a black church since I was on a scout in Newark in, in, in 1989 looking for a place to erect a casino. Well, but but have you been in black churches since then? You know, I have to check. But nobody covers the wonderful response I got from the congregation just yesterday. Mm -hmm. These absolutely incredible people who spoke the most perfect English you could imagine. And they were fantastically nice. They asked me about my amazing black friends, uh, Don King and Mike Tyson. Mm -hmm. You know, people they look up to and admire. Mm -hmm. Some of the finest black people this country has ever produced. And we talked about their hopes for their community. Which were? Well, the, the truth, here's the thing. They asked me when I'd be building a Trump hotel in Detroit, in mm. the center of Detroit, mm. and like kind of a magnet for other development and mm. a raising up of the whole area, which we've done in so many communities, as a matter of fact. So many people have written about this, but you don't read about it anywhere. Mm. You know, it's interesting. That's one thing the parishioners or the congregation, whatever you want to call them, yes. and I agreed on, mm -hmm. is the pathetic state of the media and how wonderful it would be for somebody to do something about hey, it. Hey, we've we got to get to work here, don't we? Yeah, I'll be right there. Uh -huh. uh, Sorry, that's, that's Newt Gingrich and Laura Ingram and Roger Ailes and a few other advisors. We're here having hot dogs and doing debate prep. Wait, did you tell them that you would build a hotel in Detroit? Frankly, I don't think Newt even cares. Do you, Newt? I care about us getting focused. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not in the hotel business, as you know, anymore. Mm -hmm. And if somebody wants to do a deal, put up a hotel and make use of our name and our expertise, nobody would be happy to take their call, although probably Eric would take the actual call. He does all the branding side of the business. He made the deal for the show. Wait, uh, Roger Ailes and Laura Ingram are there with you now? To tell you the truth, here, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. They do work in separate rooms. I love them both, Laura. There's no smarter woman outside my immediate family. Roger's a genius, mm -hmm. but he's like me. He's tired. He's tired of this political correctness. It's true. So he told Laura he'd hire her if she got a little work done upstairs. You know, not on the face or right. anything. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. But, you know, uh, she had the surgery and everything. So, you know, just to keep peace in the organization because you, you keep reading these stories mm -hmm. about, oh, there's trouble in the Trump organization yes. or the Republican Party is impatient with Trump. I saw that. Okay, Harry. Mm -hmm. We've got the best political organization in the world, the very best. A lot of experts have come in here. They just walk away amazed, mm. and it's getting smoother and more efficient every day. So, yes, there are separate meetings, and they like it, and I like it. I like it. And Newt likes it. So, look, I have to get back to debate prep. I just wanted to let people know that African Americans mm – -hmm. They're not scary. They're no. lovely people, just like you and me. Mm -hmm. We can all work together, and if we could all agree, you know, just to turn down the music just a little bit, I think we can all get along and make this a great country, and that's what I told them, and that's what I'm telling you. Okay, not a lot of chances for me to ask a question. Or, or... It's not a press conference, Harry, and it's not a good show, so just be grateful your screener was asleep. But it's always a pleasure to call in, and it's a pleasure almost as much to hang up. All right, sir, thanks for the call. Happy Labor Day to by you. The, by the way, I had no idea those people working for me were illegal or undocumented, mm. so on Labor Day, maybe we should remember that. Thank you again. Got to just disconnect the newsmaker line as the show continues. Superbug, we can't sweep your butt beneath the rug. You're screwing up all kinds of drugs. Well, we know about antibiotic resistance being generated by overuse of antibiotics. Here's something else that uh, helps the antibiotic-resistant bacteria flourish. 
overuse of antibacterial soaps. In a final ruling announced this week, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration is pulling from the market a wide range of antimicrobial soaps. Manufacturers fail to show that the soaps are both safe and more effective than plain soap. This uh, applies to any hand soap or antiseptic wash product. It has one or more of 19 specific chemicals in them, including your common triclosan, found in antibacterial hand soap, and triclocarbon, found in bar soaps. You know, the kind they use to clean up bars. Manufacturers will have one year to either reformulate their products or pull them from the market entirely. That sounds painful. Scientists have found that triclosan and other antimicrobial soaps have little benefit to consumers and may actually pose risks, including bolstering antibiotic-resistant microbes, giving opportunistic pathogens a leg up and disrupting microbiomes, like in your gut. The FDA seems to agree. Quote, consumers may think antibacterial washes are more effective at preventing the spread of germs. We have no scientific evidence that they are any better than plain old soup and and water. Soup and water hasn't been tested yet. In fact, says Janet Woodcock, director of the FDA's Center for Drug Evaluation, some data suggests antibacterial ingredients may do more harm than good over the long term. Unquote. Of course, over the long term, we're all dead. The agency reported that manufacturers either didn't bother submitting data about the uh, harmlessness and uh, effectiveness of the soap in deserming humans or offered up data that wasn't convincing. In the meantime, many manufacturers have already started phasing out triclosan and other antimicrobial compounds from their products. Don't tell the bacteria. News of superbugs, ladies and gentlemen. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to present Let Us Try, a ballad of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Let us try to stem the tide, to beautify our countryside. We offer you our hand. Let us try. We're back in Dakota. North Dakota, I know there are two, for this first story. Senior officials at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and two other federal agencies raised serious environmental and safety objections to the North Dakota section of the controversial Dakota Access Oil Pipeline. These are the same objections being voiced in a large protest by the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. You may have seen them on the news if the news wasn't filled with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. That uh, protest has so far succeeded in halting construction of the pipeline. Those concerns from the EPA and two other federal agencies were dismissed by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. It relied on an environmental assessment prepared by the pipeline's developer when it approved the project a couple months ago, according to public documents seen by Inside Climate News. The pipeline would carry approximately half a million barrels of crude a day from North Dakota to Illinois, along a route that it didn't originally pass near the Standing Rock Reservation, the documents show. The company, though, rerouted the pipeline to cross the Missouri River just a half mile upstream of the reservation. Then the tribe complained that the Army Corps didn't consider threats to, you know, its water supply, as well as its cultural heritage. The EPA, the Department of the Interior, and the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation echoed those concerns in public comments on the Army Corps Environmental Assessment citing risks to, you know, water supplies 
inadequate emergency preparedness, potential impacts to the Standing Rock Reservation, and insufficient environmental justice analysis, the agencies urged the Corps to issue a revised draft of its environmental assessment. Crossings in the Missouri River have the potential to affect the primary source of drinking water for much of North Dakota, South Dakota, and tribal nations, said Regional Compliance Director for the EPA in a letter to the Corps. The uh, EPA recommended the Army Corps undertake a new environmental assessment to, and consider other available routes or crossing locations that would have reduced potential to water, potential damage to water resources, especially, you know, drinking water supplies. The other agencies also asked for further assessments and consultation with the tribes. The Army Corps instead published its final draft assessment four months later. That was final approval of the project. The Corps acknowledged the comments from the agencies, but said the anticipated environmental, economic, cultural, and social effects of the project are, quote, not injurious to the public interest, unquote. The Corps has jurisdiction over domestic pipelines that cross major waterways. It did not comment, nor did the owner of the pipeline. If you want uh, an idea of how the Corps predicts the future, check its 1974 environmental assessment of the hurricane protection system it was building for New Orleans, it said that uh, anything stronger than the hurricane it was designing the system for was, in the circumstances and the geography of New Orleans, highly unlikely. Uh, The chances of it, I think, uh, to quote exactly, were nil. Now to Portland, Oregon, a federal district court ruled that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers acted unlawfully by failing to consider alternatives to killing double-crested cormorants on the Columbia River. The single-crested ones they let live? The birds are the largest scapegoat offered by federal agencies in an effort to divert attention from the ongoing harm to Columbia Basin salmon and steelhead from the dams the Corps built on the river. The Corps' ruling allows continued culling, that is to say killing, of up to 10,000 cormorants and destruction by pouring vegetable oil on 26,000 nests. We're fouling their nests. This is just months after the same federal judge found in another case that the federal government had once again failed to operate federal dams in a way that doesn't jeopardize salmon. This is the fifth time in two decades the courts have rejected the government's plan for redressing the impact of dams on salmon or sams on dammon. The uh, judge this week found that even though the federal government broke the law and even though the benefits of killing cormorants for salmon are uncertain, the killing can continue because... It might provide some benefit to the salmon. Are the salmon grateful? You tell me. Back to the Midwest, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers will be spraying vegetation on Missouri River sandbars this month. Not to kill birds, so endangered birds can nest there. They like the birds, they kill the birds. They like the birds, they kill the birds. The Corps, well, like is a term of art when you're dealing with the lettuce tribe people. The Corps is going to spray 1,500 acres on sandbars between a town in Nebraska and another town in South Dakota. Helicopters and all-terrain vehicles will begin spraying right after Labor Day. The sprayers will use glyphosate, that's Roundup, and imazapir, both approved for aquatic use by the Environmental Protection Agency. Spraying will take place, though, only when there's little or no wind and no rainfall. That's because it's so safe. 
The work is done to keep sandbars free of vegetation so the endangered interior least turn and threatened piping plover can use the sandbars for nesting. See, it's a nice core. After all, at least let them try to be nice. U.S. Army Corps of Engineers kind of trying to play God. And speaking of playing God... News of the Godly. This is a royal commission down in Australia that keeps poking around in historic priestly sex abuse. Now a uh, church official sent a priest who admitted being attracted to young boys to a psychiatrist with the hope that he could be cured so he could return to being, quote, a most effective priest. Uh, that The commission heard that. They're investigating abuse at the hands of Vincent Hands at the hands of Vincent Ryan, a, a priest who worked in the Newcastle in Australia De- diocese for decades. He has since spent 14 years behind bars for sexually abusing 35 boys over a period of 20 years, and as if that's not, eno- not enough, is awaiting sentencing on other charges. The commission heard that the diocese was made aware of the abuse allegations against Ryan in the mid 70s and sent him for a psychiatric assessment in Melbourne. In 1976, although the abuse of Alder Boys in 1975 only came to the attention of police 20 years later. The former official of the diocese, Monsignor Patrick Cotter, wrote to a psychiatrist in 76, I hope you'll be able to help him with this problem because I know if he can be cured, he can be a most effective priest, the late Monsignor wrote. The doctor, the psychiatrist, was questioned by the commission. He said he had only ever offered an assessment for Ryan, not treatment, and described the church's hope that Ryan could be cured of pedophilia as, quote, unrealistic. Really? In the church, quote, uh, no, no quotes. He said he was well aware at the time that Ryan's actions with children were criminal, but since the session was confidential, he relied on Ryan, the pedophile priest, to be, quote, the responsible person. Quote, I would have hoped he would have gone back to the referring doctor and Monsignor Cotter and said, I'm going to have treatment here, he told the commission. He read from his notes from 40 years ago, described the pedophile priest as, quote, an isolated person with few social relationships. I ascertained from him that he was attracted to sexually adolescent boys that had reached puberty and were capable of some sort of sexual activity themselves. That was in his notes. He said Ryan told him he was depressed and had a bad relationship with his parents, but added, quote, He's okay with children and gets on well with them. Unquote. News of the godly, ladies and gentlemen. Like you know. Um, so the week began, speaking of sexual... I'm going to resort to a word we all learned in the days of the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Sexual peccadilloes. Hillary Clinton's chief aide, person who's sometimes described in news stories as her body woman... In meaning she's always close at hand, Huma Abedin announced at the beginning of this week the dissolution, the planned dissolution of her marriage to former Congressman Anthony Weiner. Weiner became famous for texting pictures of his private parts to uh, people he had never met but had become acquainted with over the Internet. Uh, he vowed to stop. He wanted to run for mayor of New York. He was found, uh, I think it was over the weekend, the New York Post found that he was at it again. 
uh, with a new woman, a new woman he'd never met but had met on the had had made the acquaintance of on the internet, and this happening in the middle of the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign apparently was the last straw for, as I say, Clinton's uh, closest advisor, Huma Abedin. Uh, Anthony Weiner did have a nom de text, by the way, a, a name that he used when he was sexting with these various uh, women. He called himself Carlos Danger. He wrote out of the East one day Lots to show but not much to say Every night he'd come out to play He seemed like a friendly stranger Said he was a member's only guy Self-esteem was skyscraper high But soon he was hung out to dry Bigger flop than the Lone Ranger You think you know his name Although it's just a game His picture needs no frame Carlos Danger Yes, his shots were always true As they flashed into the blue But enough was never enough For adventuring in the buff He lived to show off his stuff Naked as a child in a manger He did it only for sport For the thrill of a killer retort All he feared was the report That would be a game You think you know his name Although it's just a game His picture needs no frame Carlos Danger His shots were always true As they flashed up into the blue But he wasn't meant for you side of his life couldn't be cleaner He yearned to be a burger But he was only a wiener A wiener His conquests he couldn't count No peak that he wouldn't mount Of jokes he's a perfect fount Carlos Danger From the home of the homeless, this is Le Show. How's that super expensive and absolutely snazzy F-35 jet fighter plane working out for the United States? Well, it may not be fully ready for combat by the scheduled completion date, two years hence. That's according to a Defense Department testing director in a memorandum to the Air Force, uncovered by Bloomberg News. 
There's a substantial risk, that's a quote, the fighter jet won't meet the deadline. The problems are not related to the engines, but involve shortcomings in the plane's most complex software, electronics, and weapons capabilities. He added, new problems continue to be discovered at a substantial rate. So something's working. The problem discovery mechanism. And now, ladies and gentlemen. He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He peeks at no stoops. He's an inspector general. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. News of Inspectors General, ladies and gentlemen, a report by NASA's chief watchdog has raised new doubts about the readiness of contractors to deliver astronauts to space even before the SpaceX rocket exploded last week. Any further delay, the Inspector General found, could mean a continued reliance on Russia to deliver American astronauts to space. That ferry ride has been growing steadily more expensive since the last shuttle mission blasted off from the U.S. in 2011, NASA's astronauts have had to hitch rides to the International Space Station thanks to Russia. That has come with a price tag growing precipitously after the shuttle was retired. A report issued this week by NASA's Inspector General found the cost Russia charged to ferry U.S. astronauts jumped 384% over the last decade. What did they think they are, a pharmaceutical company? Before the shuttle was retired, Russia kept its costs relatively consistent. But after the U.S. couldn't get to space on its own, the prices jumped. In all, the U.S. has paid Russia $3.4 billion for rides on its Soyuz rocket. The IG said NASA could have saved a billion of that if it had met its original goal of flying human missions again in 2015. The watchdog said Russia will rake in even more taxpayer money if there are additional delays to NASA's efforts to fly again from U.S. soil. The National Park Service is celebrating its centennial, not necessarily a happy 100th birthday. Multiple female employees at Canaveral National Seashore have been subjected to sexual harassment, men and women alike, to a hostile workplace for at least five years, according to four investigations by Interior Department watchdogs. The park's motto describing the longest expanse of pristine shore in Florida, the way it used to be. The culture became so toxic the agency's watchdog has conducted four investigations in four years, an unusually high number for one of the park system's smaller sites. The Inspector General for the Interior Department in June disclosed a pattern of unwanted advances in attention, along with inappropriate remarks to female subordinates by the chief law enforcement officer still employed at the park. They also substantiated off-color comments by another Canaveral manager who told a woman who works for him that her peach-colored dress resembled a creamsicle and he could, quote, lick it up. The investigations and interviews with nine current and former park employees reveal a troubling workplace culture in the remote park, which includes a nude beach. (laughs) The ongoing Inspector General probe of similar misconduct in at least one other park is... uh, Making news as well, in August 2012, a Grand Canyon employee reported to her supervisor the unwanted sexual advances of a boatman on the Colorado River. He had continually pursued her with unwelcome advances and had eventually, somewhere down in the canyon, attempted to force himself on her. The woman sent a 20-page letter to the chief ranger at the park documenting egregious violations of National Park Service policy, sexual harassment by agency boatmen and supervisors, as well as other ethical violations. 
Her report led to an investigation by the Equal Opportunity Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. They issued a report in 2013 who, to the superintendent who oversees park management. Then it, the report disappeared. A report released by the Department of Interior's Inspector General in July, according to High Country News, elucidates the missing EEO report, documenting that it was closely guarded and it was not provided to human resources managers at the park. The the Inspector General reports that women provided evidence of discrimination, retaliation, and a sexually hostile work environment committed by a handful of boatmen and supervisors over a 15-year period. The report found a long-term pattern of sexual harassment and hostile work environment has increased scrutiny of the Park Service's Grand Canyon office, its leadership, its employees, and its institutional culture, which does little to encourage accountability in positions of power seemingly designed to help federal employees ease into retirement with the highest salaries they can get. It was a systemic failure at every level as you move up the chain of command, according to the woman who resigned as a river ranger in the park. News of Inspectors General, ladies and gentlemen. Happy 100th birthday, Park Service. News of Inspectors General, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. You perhaps saw the FBI dumping on Friday afternoon, like you do when you don't want too much attention, uh, new information from Hillary Clinton's emails. And uh, I know part of the audience is going, oh, no, not Hillary Clinton's emails again. One of the things that uh, came out of um, this report, just a tiny tidbit of information in the New York Times story on it, the former director of um, funding, fundraising at the Clinton Foundation is now the head of fundraising at the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign because, you know, the Chinese wall is so impermeable. Uh, in the FBI report on... Um, email goings-on. There is, again, mention of Colin Powell. Now, you may recall Hillary Clinton had said that uh, at a dinner, he, Powell, former Secretary of State, her predecessor, one of her predecessors, had said to her, uh, use a private account. He says he doesn't remember that dinner, but he did send her an email, and uh, the FBI has that, He warned her about using a BlackBerry to conduct official business. Um, She emailed Powell to ask about his use of the BlackBerry during his time in office. In his response, Powell told Clinton if it became public, she was using a BlackBerry to, quote, do business. The emails could become, quote, official records and subject to the law, unquote. Still quoting, be very careful. I got around it all by not saying much and not using systems that captured the data. Unquote. Colin Powell, still the master of the smooth move. I had a doctrine. It had my name. Overwhelming force. That was my game. But I played with the grown-ups. And it wasn't the same. They snapped a big towel at the doctrine of Powell. 
Thank God I still had my smooth moves. I could write a book, maybe I will. I was trained to lead young people to kill. But when I say follow me, lately they don't. There's that book I could write, maybe I won't. But I tell myself, Colin, you just keep on rolling with those smooth moves. Just playing down those gravity grooves. No matter what the intel proves, all I needed was my smooth moves. You know I I wanted the White House, but my wife told me no. Pimping for war was as far as I'd go. I served my country. Some doctor didn't tell. I was most trusted. Then I poisoned my well. But I tell myself, Colin, you just keep on rolling with those smooth moves. Trying not to hear history's hooves. Just as long as the bombs approve. Deadline, Markham, Illinois. An Illinois prosecutor has apologized to five men wrongly convicted and imprisoned in the 1991 rape and fatal shooting of a 14-year-old suburban Chicago girl. Cook County State's Attorney Anita Alvarez issued a statement after a judge denied bond to 58-year-old Willie Randolph on a murder charge in the death of that teenager. Five years ago, DNA tests cleared the five men of all charges after they'd spent a decade or more in prison. Alvarez offered sincere apologies to the men and their families. She said the system did not protect them and victimized them in a way that could never be possibly be repaired. 
but she argued that reforms have been implemented to ensure that no person is wrongfully convicted. That you can take to the bank. Unfortunately, the bank is in China. Dateline, Somerville, South Carolina. There's been some collateral damage in the fight against Zika. Millions of honeybees in South Carolina. News outlets report, according to the Associated Press, that Dorchester County, South Carolina officials have apologized for killing the bees when the county failed to notify local beekeepers about mosquitoes spraying last weekend. The county usually notifies beekeepers before it sprays for mosquitoes. Officials say last Sunday was the first time spraying had been done from the air. Wow, look up in the air. It's... Deadline Islamabad. Pakistan says it reopened a busy border crossing with Afghanistan for routine traffic after Kabul apologized over the burning of the Pakistani flag by angry Afghan protesters. The southwestern Chaman crossing was closed two weeks ago after the anti-Pakistan rally on the Afghan side of the border turned violent and demonstrators attacked the entry gate, setting fire to the flag. The border closures stranded thousands of travelers and trade convoys causing heavy financial losses to both Pakistani and Afghan traders. Authorities have increased efforts to strengthen security along the Afghan border, according to Pakistani officials, to prevent extremists linked to the Taliban from entering the country. He added that Pakistan is building gates at 18 crossings along the border. Afghan officials opposed Pakistani border construction plans because Kabul traditionally does not recognize the frontier as an international boundary. And the government in Kabul also alleges covert support the Taliban insurgents received from the Pakistani military spy agency, which has enabled them to prolong the war in Afghanistan. I'm sorry about all of that. Deadline Washington, Georgetown University has apologized for its historical links to slavery and now says it will give an admissions edge to descendants of slaves whose sale in the 19th century helped pay off the school's debts. Is that reparations or is that just nice? The Washington, D.C.-based university run by the Jesuit order will create an institute to study the history of slavery. It will also rename two buildings that had honored presidents who oversaw the 1838 sale of the 272 slaves who worked on church-affiliated plantations in Maryland. Quote, the original evil that shaped the early years of the republic was present here, said Georgetown President John DeJoya. The university will hold a mass of reconciliation in which we will seek forgiveness for our participation in the institution of slavery. The steps go further than those taken by other U.S. universities that are confronting their past association with slavery, like Harvard, Brown, Princeton, and the University of North Carolina. How about them heels? Deadline Nashville, Tennessee. State officials have apologized for errors in a statewide test of the emergency alert system this week. It prompted major backlash from some residents. On Thursday morning, the Tennessee Emergency Management Agency, the TEMA, not a FEMA, a TEMA, sent a test alert to millions of cell phone users across Tennessee. There's millions of cell phone users in Tennessee. It was the first time they conducted a statewide test in six years. Some residents said they were unaware TEMA was issuing a test because the messages on their phones didn't include the words, this is a test. 
FEMA officials said their website also couldn't handle the massive amounts of traffic the test generated. They're working to address issues before the next test. Deadline Wapaka County, Wisconsin. A Wisconsin town leader made a controversial comment about San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick and his decision not to stand for the national anthem. Excuse me. I'm going to stand for the absence of the national anthem. That was me doing that. During a county executive committee meeting this week, County Board Supervisor John Penny said Kaepernick might get shot if he returns to New London, Wisconsin, where he has extended family. He says the comment was made as part of a discussion with other board members about recent deadly shootings in the area. The chairman of the county board said Penny's comment was inappropriate. He has a wry sense of humor, and that was not the thing to say in these days and times, said Dick Keppen. And for that, as the head of the county board, I apologize. He didn't mean it. I apologize. Penny, however, won't apologize for the comment, but says he's sorry if he offended anyone the if apology, and he was in no way promoting violence. However, if anyone wants to commit, oh, no. Deadline Montreal organizers of a Montreal area trigger warning puppet show found themselves apologizing to the public after a song about trigger warning prison rape was performed during a trigger warning family-friendly show where children were present. They said a series of errors led to the song Prison Bitch! being played during the open-air festival last weekend. We sincerely regret the discomfort experienced by the parents who were present, as well as for having lacked vigilance over the entire contents of our show, said the organizers, known as Promenade Wellington. A video posted online shows several children watching, and one dancing along to the song, Prison Bitch, as two puppeteers manipulate a puppet on stage. In a lengthy statement apologizing for the incident, the organizers promised to pay more attention to their programming choices. For future editions, we will make sure the selected shows will be presented in appropriate locations. We will show greater vigilance and tighter constraints over what content will be presented to which members of the public. The group that presented this skit also posted a message on Facebook apologizing for the incident. Cabaret Decadence, Decadence said the show was usually performed for an adult audience. Puppets? Okay, and it was sorry if the lyrics offended anyone. I'm sorry if adults attended a puppet show, me personally. Seattle Mariners leadership apologized last week after a second LGBTQ couple was reprimanded for kissing in less than two weeks, this time at Safeco Field's inaugural Pride Night. In late August, a Seattle couple was given a warning by security after kissing outside the stadium. They were told their display of affection was against Safeco's family-friendly policy. They would be asked to leave if it happened again. But the Mariners' leadership has apologized. Uh, the humiliation was made worse by the fact the employee called the two female couple ladies when neither of them uses feminine pronouns. As I say, the Mariners' leadership has apologized, told the couple that sensitivity training with the LGBT, no Q, Chamber of Commerce will take place in September before the end of the season. There was a similar incident just two weeks earlier in which Safeco Field staff told a lesbian couple they had to stop being affectionate during a Mariners' game. The Mariners' organization initially apologized via voicemail 
from Senior Manager of Guest Experience, Amy Swisher. I just want to apologize to you. We do have a code of conduct as far as what people are doing in the ballpark, but hugging and embracing is totally fine. But after issuing that apology, the Mariners apparently changed their tune. Spokesperson Rebecca Hale said the couple was making out and the usher was uncomfortable with it. So make in next time. Come on. Help. Baltimore Police Commissioner Kevin Davis apologized profusely at a meeting with Congressman Elijah Cummings for failing to disclose an aerial surveillance program that has been operating for months above Baltimore, according to Cummings. I do believe he was sincere, and he realized he created a significant hurdle with regards to the acceptance of the public of this program because of that lack of transparency, Cummings told the Baltimore Sun. Davis The police commissioner has said little about the program in public. After the surveillance was first disclosed last week in media reports, a police spokesman dismissed claims the program was secret. A private company, Persistent Surveillance Systems, has conducted about 300 hours of aerial surveillance covering the city at uh, 32 square miles at a time from a Cessna airplane thousands of feet in the air. The trial program, which began in January was privately funded, never presented to the city authorities for approval. Outsourcing surveillance, ladies and gentlemen. Former New England Patriot safety Rodney Harrison apologized on Twitter for saying 49ers Colin Kaepernick wasn't black after saying in an earlier radio interview that the 49ers quarterback wouldn't understand the discrimination against people of color. I'm a black man and Colin Kaepernick, he's not black. Harrison told a Houston radio station, he cannot understand what I face. This is Kaepernick refused to stand for the national anthem because of supposed white oppression of black people in the United States. Kaepernick, who ignited that controversy, is biracial. Harrison, now an NFL analyst for NBC Sports, later tweeted, I never intended to offend anyone. I was trying to speak about my experience as an African-American. I apologize to anyone that I offended. Wasn't meant to be hurtful to anyone. God bless. Last point I want people to know. I never even knew he was mixed. God bless. He didn't. God bless again. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Now, follow-up on News of the Atom. We discussed, we, you and me, you know, we're here together. Last week on this broadcast, the failure of the ice wall at Fukushima to uh, work in restraining, constraining the radioactively tainted water from passing into the sea. Now we learn, according to the Asahi Shimbun, my favorite Shimbun, by the way. Rainfall from recent typhoons caused partial melting of the ice wall at Fuk Number 1, allowing highly radioactive water to leak from around the damaged reactor buildings. TEPCO said melting occurred at two sections of the ice wall. They believe during the latest typhoon, contaminated water from around the reactor buildings flowed through openings of the ice wall created by the deluge and reached downstream into the sea. The uh, $335 million frozen wall was completed in spring to prevent groundwater from entering the reactor buildings and mixing with hot water. 
The company said the temperatures at the two sections of the frozen wall have climbed above zero since the typhoon approached Fouke. The company believes the partial melting was caused by the influx of water brought by the typhoon. TEPCO plans to freeze the wall again by pouring chemicals into pipes that extend underground and praying for no more typhoons. Also in Japan, highly radioactive waste from the decommissioning of nuclear reactors should be buried at depths beyond 70 meters for 100,000 years, the Japanese Nuclear Regulation Authority has decided. Under the decision, nuclear waste that would mainly consist of the control rods used in nuclear reactors would be buried in areas where earthquakes and volcanoes pose a minimal threat, i.e. nowhere in Japan. Electric power companies would be responsible for managing the buried waste for periods between 300 and 400 years. Name the last corporation that lasted that long. Thank you. The central government would then take over. Name the central government that has lasted that long. Thank you. And restrict entry and digging in the burial sites for a period of 100,000 years. Let's ask the Cro-Magnons what they... Oh, they're gone. Let's ask the Nand... Nuclear waste with extremely high radiation radiation levels has to be buried deeper than 300 meters for a period of 100,000 years. The Federation of Electric Power Companies of Japan calculated that if all 57 nuclear reactors in the country were decommissioned, a total of 8,000 tons of high-level nuclear waste would be produced. And uh, the regulatory, reg- regulatory authority concluded there was a necessity to... Con- encase that waste in concrete and bury it in bedrock deeper than 70 meters for at least 100,000 years. The period in which electric power companies would manage the waste was set between 300 and 400 years because a period of several tens of thousands of years is unrealistic, unlike the rest of the plan. Clean, cheap, safe, too unrealistic to meet or our friend the atom. going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR Worldwide throughout Europe, the USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet, 7.490 megahertz shortwave on the Mighty 104 in Berlin on Soho Radio in London around the world via the Internet at two different locations, live and archive whenever you want at harryshare.com and kcsn.org, available for your smartphone through stitcher.com and available as a free podcast. Free. You know what that means. It's free. At SoundCloud, Sideshow Network, TuneIn, iTunes, 
and WWNO.org. And it would be just like remembering the harmonica genius of Toots Thielman. If you agree to join with me then, would you? Alrighty, thank you very much. Uh huh. Show chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Exile and Hawaii desks. Thanks as always to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t shirts all at harryshare.com. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless.